Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. Are you ready? My name is Rich, and as we're in isolation because of COVID, I'm kind of joined by my good buddy Tax Williams, but remotely. Uh, yeah, remotely. How you doing? Uh, I'm all right, man. How are you? It's been a bit of a um, bit of a mixed week for me, to be completely honest. I'll start with sad-ish news. Well, it's, right. I say sad-ish. It's definitely sad news. Um, one of my friends and a, a fellow trainee at SCPW, um, Bradley, passed away last week. Um, oh, shit, man. His wife, his wife announced it um, on Facebook. And what's been lovely to see is the amount of people that Brad like left a positive impact on. I met Brad about seven eight years ago um through mutual friend um who uh, at a party at the time him and his wife were looking to set up a festival which i think your band might have been booked to play at the time which were there was going to be um just called a field in worth and they were mm. setting up that festival but a couple of years ago brad turned up at scpw to start training it's really helpful with marketing stuff for SCPW and also helping um, Coach Wicked out with things like Set Go Gym and MFH Fitness. Um, they, Matt posted something on online the other day showing Brad doing a 450 just effortlessly. This guy was... <laughs> awesome. He was one of the nicest people you could wish to meet. Nobody had a bad word to say about him. And it's devastating that he's now obviously his his wife's alone um and it, it it's just nice to see how much of a positive view everyone who trained with him who knew him had obviously said i i knew i knew brad through meetings beforehand my first meeting with him obviously when he was discussing this this festival and then i mentioned in passing i was like oh um i used to do wrestling for hammerlock and then from there it was like I like wrestling too. And it's like, oh my God. And every time at these parties, it was a case of, it's the wrestling guy. And it's like, oh, Brad, lovely to see you. And yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking to to be in that situation for his his family, his friends. You know, it's it, it's a rough time for, for everyone. And But as I said, the, the positives and the glowing memory and, and, and the positive impact Brad had on everyone, it, he won't be forgotten. And yeah, it's very, very sad news going to fraud. And I know he did dip in and out of the podcast from time to time. He's said to me on several occasions how he enjoyed things like the Quiz Cup and found them very, very funny. And I think you might have met him at some of the snapshot shootings we did at Unit 44 for SCPW, where he was doing some of the filming stuff for that as well. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. he's a lovely chap and really sad that he's gone. But he is a fan of great wrestling. He was a fan of great wrestling and... What we're covering today is a fantastic show that just depicts a f one of my favorite times. And when I spoke to him about wrestling before, one of his favorite times in professional wrestling, which was 1997, really in the at the midst of the Attitude Era. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I'm really sorry to hear that, dude. That, that sucks. There's a lot of people losing uh, loved ones and stuff at the moment. And uh, yeah, it's proper crappy. I count myself very lucky that I've not had to deal with any of that stuff recently. So yeah, that sucks, man. Before we get going in this week's pod, I also have a few news tidbit items to go, go through. So we mentioned previously on the pod about the various uh, law enforcement institutes suing WWE for insider dealing. Mm -hmm. 
there's now even more lawsuits. They've got a couple of class action suits against them now as well. And interestingly enough, uh, this week, Triple H sold another million dollars worth of shares in the company. Damn. So it's, um, yeah, it's looking at odd times from a shareholder standpoint from WWE. And also to add to the issues, potentially the share price, which might be a, a uh, you know, convenient timing for Triple H to announce that he's selling these shares and has sold these shares. Um, it looks like WWE are going to have to move SummerSlam. Right, okay. Because it was due to be held um, in Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, or, you know, if you watched uh, Road Trip, Boston, Texas. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Don't get that joke at all. Oh, sorry. Well, like, it was supposed to be held at TD Garden in Boston, but the mayor of Boston... Well, Celtics and the Bruins play. Let's go, boys. <laughs> but the mayor of Boston, Mayor Marty Walsh, has basically said there will be no festivals or parades taking part this summer in Boston up to and including Labor Day on the 7th of September, with SummerSlam being in the books for, I think it was the 23rd of August of this year. Mm-hmm. It looks like they're again going to have to take another hit. So that's going to be their main pay-per-view and their second highest pay-per-view being SummerSlam away from you know making it a monetary success hopefully that will change and maybe WWE can find a smaller venue but as of this evening it looks like WWE are going to be having to find a potentially different venue and also take over Boston the night before on the 22nd of August would also have to be bumped to I assume for the time being the PC unless there are some states who will allow these gatherings and sporting events Sure, man. This is not something I've really heard about. Um, if it is going to be like that and they're going to miss SummerSlam, then I guess they're going to do it like they did WrestleMania and stuff, and like they're going to do Money at the Bank this weekend. Um, I am looking forward to Money in the Bank, having both men's and women's matches at the same time climbing the corporate ladder. They, I mean, if they can make this a cinematic masterpiece, similar to some of the great bits we saw over Mania weekend, and all the threat of the Big Show-esque style throwing someone off the roof, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah it should be fun man uh, I'll give it a watch um, yeah I'm looking forward to it too I think it's going to be fun but should we go through what we're doing today oh yes <clears throat> so we're going to be doing as we discussed last week's podcast uh, the Rock Austin trilogy of Wrestlemania's which are 15, 17 and 19 um, but to start with we need to kind of go back to the first meeting of Rock and Austin on pay-per-view I think this is the first meeting it must be this is the first meeting Okay, so December the 7th, 1997, on pay-per-view, we are doing the WWF's In Your House, the D-Generation X pay-per-view. Are you ready? Hey, you think you could tell us what to do? You think you could tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. To the masters. Break it down. Interestingly, this was, again from a, a, a wrestling nerdy standpoint, this was the, I think one of the only, if not the only, in your house pay-per-views that didn't start in your house name. This pay-per-view is actually Degeneration X in your house, rather than in your house beware of dog. Yeah, this is the so, last of the in your houses as well. So it's very much uh, a brand they've gone with for. I think it's nineteen, is it? I think so. I think it's nineteen. And, and we're only a few months removed from uh, the Montreal Screwjob, HBK's WWF champion for the third time. 
DX is flying high with Triple H in China. And as you said, it, on this show, it is the first one-on-one match between The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin, which essentially kicks off one of the greatest rivalries in WWF history. Yeah, I would go as far as saying the most important rivalry ever. Certainly. To be able to stretch across that many manias and still have fan interaction, people want to see it. Because like, the number of times you've seen Orton and Cena, and you're like, ugh, no one cares. But mm. I remember just chomping, wanting to see Austin and Rock all the time. I mean, just in terms of uh, the trilogy and such, which I guess we should really get into properly on the next week's podcast. Um, just the fact that if you look at where their big confrontations are, they're all at WrestleManias and they're all two years apart from each other. It's, it's well booked. One year after the other, everything else. It's We've got a story. We've got two years to tell it. Then there's the payoff. Then we've got a story. We've got two years to tell it. There's the payoff. Unfortunately, Austin's injured as fuck, so we can't do anything with it. And there's obviously those issues that go along. But in general, that the, the, the whole thing was booked fucking incredible. And we'll, we'll get onto their match, I guess, on this show later. But seeing these two hungry guys quite young still i say austin's less young rocky is very much the young boy at this point in time absolutely and you can tell what level they're at at this stage we're talking 1997 and they're feuding over the ic belt yeah sure it's it's surreal well i think we'll get talk about those moments more when we get to them but let's jump into the show wwf degeneration x is presented by milton bradley karate fighters and it happens in just two weeks just up the road in Springfield, Massachusetts. And as a part of that card, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley takes on Sergeant Slaughter. One-on-one, man-on-man. It was just this past Monday night in the war zone that the bitter feelings between DX and Sergeant Slaughter came to a head. As well, the WWF title on the line. The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, defends against the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. And here he comes! Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the world's most dangerous man, Ken Simbra! He deserves that nickname, folks! He left home... Well, there's one thing that I've done all my life, and that's fight. I've earned my respect through fighting. That is what I am, and that's what I will always be. The only thing that I ever asked for was respect. And the only way I got it was through blood, sweat, and tears. As far as Shawn Michaels is concerned, the degenerate or degeneration X or whatever the hell he is, he has no respect for anybody or anything. And come time when I step in the ring with Shawn Michaels on December 7th, he will learn the word respect Ken Shamrock's way. So uh, much like the show we just talked about earlier, we're in Massachusetts, USA, this time Springfield, the Civic Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. Um, uh, I, I want to sing the Simpsons theme tune, but with like WWE lyrics <laughs> at this point, <laughs> just because it's Springfield, but whatever. So the attendance is 6,358 people according to Cage Match. 
pretty good turnout. Yeah, especially this is, again, the upturn, really. The Montreal Screwjob and Brett Screwed Brett really starting mm. getting more eyes back on the WWE product at this time. So this is obviously our prequel. Uh, we've got, um, I guess, uh, yeah, let's do this now. So uh, we've got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Uh, I mean, they're just fucking great at this time. Yeah, I, as we'll probably get to throughout the show, there were certain moments where some of Lawler's comments in modern time, you know, the the, the, the noodle ramen salt or whatever he called something. Oh, I've, got, I've got a few quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, it doesn't work brilliantly, but in 1997, when we're in a different time, and the same thing as we said, if we looked at Heenan's commentary now, people would yeah. be up in arms with Heenan's commentary now. I'm always at that stand-up comedian point where I'm between, as an audience member at least, I'm always that point between dramatically offended <laughs> and hysterically falling out my seat because it's so good <laughs> at the same time. I have it's, to go with the stand-up comic route because if yeah. not, I don't think I'd ever watch anything from the Attitude Era. Yeah, like Lawler is constant during this show as well. He, he's um, JR's very much leading, but Jerry always has an opinion and it's always slightly racist or slightly sexist or something. And then there's just two or three times where he pushes it way too far, which are the times I laugh the most. So, I mean, <laughs> we're both terrible human beings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, um, again, we're saying this is the last of the In Your House pay-per-view kind of series of shows. It's very much, where would you put this? Is this new era or is this attitude era? How does it the, feel to you watching it? This to me is attitude era because this is the start of Shawn Michaels and, and Triple agree. H doing Absolutely. their own stuff. So we are at the beginning, the inception of the attitude era. A lot of people would argue this is still new era because we haven't got to WrestleMania 14 yet. But I think that's bollocks. I think when Brett screwed Brett when Shawn screws over Brett is when it really started. Maybe before that, like you think about all the Pillman stuff and everything. That's very attitude era. Yeah, I, I've always said that the screw job was the catalyst for the end of the new era because the leader of the new era was no longer there. Sure, sure, sure. I think that's uh, all fair to say. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, I personally found this show a little bit difficult to find on the network to start with. I had to search In Your House rather than DX. So, like, it wouldn't find that at all. Yeah, mm -hmm. you had go to go on. back to the In Your Houses to find this one. Yeah, just a You literally had to go round the houses. <laughs> oh dear. You can tell we're recording this late at night, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> so the show kicks in. We got our opening video package in over 100 countries in seven different languages. More than a half billion viewers each week. Really? <laughs> the World Wrestling Federation, worldwide leader in sports entertainment. No scratch logo yet. We've still got the big yellow and blue. But like just this introduction, I'm goosebumps up my arms. Nostalgia's filling me full of joy and happiness. Uh, how are you feeling? Big nostalgia pop here for the okay. intro to this. And even though we've said before that WWE are always head and shoulders above when it comes to production values, even now in 97, like the intro video for this, this pay-per-view got me going got me ready set the scene i had i completely forgot that ken shamrock was in a main event for a <laughs> wwf championship match and sure this was there 
So, before we get into the card too much, now that we're only an audio podcast, we can get away with also using all sorts of copyright bullshit. So, I'm going to do it from my phone rather than actually editing it in. So, it might sound a bit dodgy because we're remote and I want to try and get away with copyright if there is an issue later in life. But um, <laughs> the next bit where it goes, are you ready? Boom, boom. And you get the DX stuff kind of starting to kick in. So, obviously, this is the prime of DX's beginning phase, I guess. Um, you get this promo are you ready the showstopper sexy (laughs) (laughs) are you serious it's so naughty (laughs) let's just carry on with this sexy the main event hbk the icon sean michaels softcore porn it's fucking terrible imagine if you did this today Ms. Morrison come out stand in the ring and go hey would anyone like to suck my penis (laughs) and Melina runs a mile to Dave Batista (laughs) oh my god it's it's like I'm watching a normal WWE edited introduction video to a show but with like softcore porn voiceovers in the background I mean, I don't know if you saw Scarlet Bordeaux as part of the entrance. I thought I was back mm. there, to be honest. Well, oh my. Kinda. I really like that introduction, by the way. Like, fuck, fuck the XP for a second. So I like the, the Cross and Scarlet entrance thing. But did you not find it a little cheesy when she's doing the voiceover to the backing music? The lip syncing shit. I think it would have gone over better if there was a crowd. But I was, <sighs> in, I was into it. I don't know. I, I liked everything apart from that. That really took me out of it. I was like, oh, God, that just looks so stupid. Like cheesy lip syncing stuff. Like Millie Scar- Vanilli, you know? Scarlet Bordeaux can do whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Uh, also, debuting debuting him against a jobber. Is this really what we want to do with Cro- Killer Cross? Yeah, because we wanted to get the entrance over as a big deal. Imagine doing I think it against it like a higher caliber thing and getting an instant like, oh, he's a main event guy straight away, but whatever. So, I think uh, they, they don't need it without fans. Yeah, DX, DX, DX. <laughs> so uh, basically we get uh, Milton Bradley Karate Fighters presents the D-Generation X in your house. Uh, Pyro floods the arena. Uh, it's really, really small looking set and everything. It's literally... Just a small D letter of scaffolding with a big X letter of scaffolding and a black curtain. It's proper indie looking. Yeah, where's my house? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. House. I missed the door that we're going to pretend to slam people through and can't escape through like with Sean and Taker. That was so good. HBK Sensible is like, I'm not going to fight in my own house again. <laughs> There's definitely an element of uh, trying to make it more metal. At this stage, because do you remember at this time as well, it's when they started playing tracks from essentially the new metal thing. So you had things like Sugar by System of a Down and with the little album cover in the bottom left-hand corner with the name of the artist. And that was actually my first exposure to System of a Down. I was like, Sugar, what's this song? Nice. So this is the era where they started sampling that music, paying for rights for these new metal bands to have things. I think Korn was in there. Um, I can't remember. Some of the others will, will pop up to me. I think one of them was also leading up to uh, the Good Housekeeping match as well oh, for the, uh, the the trailer for that. But obviously, you know, Mr. Powell will be able to tell us about that. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Um, have you seen uh, System or Corn Live? I've seen System Live. 
I've not seen Corn Live. Okay. Yeah, they're both really good. Uh, one of them was kind of funny. In that, when I saw System, it was uh, Reading in like 2001, I think it was. Snap, that's where I saw System. Oh, nice. And yeah. um, when he was, this crowd were chanting Sugar the whole time. And then he just starts screaming at people because he doesn't <laughs> want to play the song, seemingly. Oh, that was good old uh, Serge. It was interesting, wasn't it? It was the other guy, <laughs> the guitarist, not Serge. Oh, was it? Yeah, the screaming Daniel, whatever his name is. Do you not remember? I mean, it was about 20 years ago. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. all good. So the crowd is going absolutely fucking bonkers. This feels Attitude Era all over. If you've watched any of those shows from 98 where the crowd react to, like, you know, clotheslines and headlocks and stuff, it's it's that time period. It's fucking great. They're hot for the product. Yeah, like, they could do anything. They could literally stand in the ring and have a fart down a microphone and the crowd would go fucking mental. And they did. Yeah, pretty much. Well, they didn't do the farting bit, but the crowd went mental. Well, hmm. Jerry Lawler is on commentary, so... <laughs> as, as JR welcomes us to the show, the camera pans across this insane-looking crowd. It looks like a, a rock concert or something. Um, a, a series of signs, because it's the Attitude Era. Uh, Sunny is Life was the first one. Um, <laughs> second one was Dear Santa, I want Sunny in my stocking. <laughs> a good, good request. To be fair, they they went as far as doing like sparkles and stuff and had like a Christmas stocking like uh, taped to it with Sunny sticking out the top. Yeah, it was pretty good. That's um, the thing we've said before on those shows. People, without having signs in the crowd anymore so people can spot them on TV, it's not sure. as fun. And those people probably spent at least 10 minutes creating that sign. Have you ever taken a sign to a show? No. I Difficult have. to get home on a moped. <laughs> <laughs> I t- once took uh how old was I? I must have been when was twenty three. Capital, Capital shut up. Capital Carnage was ninety nine, I think. So I would have been Oh wow, here's my mass. So thirteen maybe? I took a big tombstone with uh whoever's Undertaker's opponent was rip on it. Like, yeah, you're gonna die. <laughs> thirteen. Old mine. enough to know better. Shut up, you. <laughs> so um carry on with these signs. Uh Will beer wrestle for beer which was an interesting one uh hitman didn't give up we're still there still representing in the background and uh yeah they're not very inventive they're not as x-rated as 98 signs no but again this is the end of new gen Ashida already kicking in yeah this is tame in comparison to some of the signs we saw in 98 yeah compared to like the ecw signs we saw as well around this time period it's not quite the same is it so um, JR and, <coughs> and Pedo, uh, King uh, are at ringside to discuss tonight's card. Uh, there is seemingly a lovely old gay couple standing behind them. Did you notice these guys? Oh, Pat Patson and his lover, <laughs> <laughs> Sylvain Grenier. There's two boys who must be, well, at least in their 80s. And it's either like old friends that have like, you know, going to wrestling together. But they're, they're very uh, touchy-feely, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know. That's attitude. This is sure. good shit. <laughs> So, as well as JR and King, we're showing the Mexicans and the French are at ringside as well. The Mexicans? Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a funny way to phrase it. <laughs> right, Lawler. <laughs> it's 97. I mean, uh, these these views do not actually represent my opinions. Uh, so, let's carry on. So, WWF Light Heavyweight Title Tournament Oh, we did not mention on the Spanish announce table it was uh, Tito Santana on commentary was for it? the Mexicans. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. So, I would have made more burrito jokes if I'd realised it was <laughs> 
<laughs> so opening the show yeah, for the light heavyweight championship the first ever inaugural those mean the same thing the inaugural light heavyweight championship uh between taka mishinoku and too sexy brian christopher as he's known at this time fans chanting jerry's kid from the get-go and they're still playing off the whole idea that brian christopher is not lawless son it's the most over not over gimmick ever they're all they're, they're, they're chanting it they're filling the arena with it Lawler's oh, playing up on commentary like 10% of the people are chanting <laughs> it, it never goes away but it, it's not Austin Road Warriors pop you know oh, oh god no no chance it's, and they play off of it and I think it gives you know uh, Christopher and Lawler something to play off of at ringside and not have to do these crazy light heavyweight spots that they were doing in 97 I like the fact that on commentary they tried to get over that Brian Christopher was definitely of 215 to hit that uh, <laughs> hit that light heavyweight limit and Jerry Lawler putting over that he's he'd been training really hard to keep at this weight whereas Tucker Mishinoku, you know, tiny, tiny little man. <laughs> so JR informs us this will be for the first ever light heavyweight championship. This been the end of a tournament. It's kind of a knockout king of the ring type thing. Uh look good. Very, very few recognizable names on this tournament, to be fair. Uh, yeah, the bracketology would have been pretty dull for this. Yeah, sure. But this main event, these two guys, I've got to say, they're some of my favourites at this time period. I really love these two. always did. I love the heavy, light heavyweight style. And and especially that this was brought in to really counteract the cruiserweight programming on Nitro, and they just shit the bed with it. Some yeah, of the talent absolutely. they had here, I know they took away Tucker to start doing the I choppy choppy your pee pee thing with Val Venus mm. and uh, Yamaguchi-san. But yeah, they just this was a complete throwaway belt. Considering they had Malenko win this belt, and he could have just run with that light heavyweight title and made it a really good thing in WWE. Absolutely. Yeah, that's how little respect they had for this. They just said, "Oh, WCW cruiserweights." So let's just get these boys on here and hope for the best. Absolutely, man. So um, cue the incredibly racist music when you hear it back for Tucker Mishinoku. It, at the time, I never really thought much of it, but you just sit back and you instantly like, oh, is this okay? Like, you know that thing that kids play when they sit at a keyboard, like the da 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 Oh, when they play chopsticks, yeah, as they call it, yeah. It's one step away from that. <laughs> like, it's really close. Anyway, uh, the cameras are having to fight through the signs. There's so many. Uh, Brian tears up a tacker sign and wipes it on his bum bum as Lawler cackles away. Um, good, good heat. He's learned yeah. from Memphis. This is a classic bit of footage. I've seen that footage in all sorts of um, montages and stuff over the years. Um, I'm thinking of something else. Sorry, that's later in the night. Just ignore me. <laughs> so Brian Christopher has bright orange tights, and they're still less orange than his permatan. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you realize that those those tights weren't actually tights? <laughs> that was just his tattoos. <laughs> it's just his natural leg color. Um, so Lola goes... Whew, you know why Disneyland failed in Japan, don't you? And JR responds sarcastically, Why is that, King? And Lawler goes, Because nobody was tall enough to go on the rides. <laughs> Zing! Wow. I had to pause it and write that down. I laugh so much. <laughs> it's fucking and terrible. And this is the thing, but as you said, I'm laughing at half this commentary and realise I'm just a terrible human being for laughing Absolutely. at stuff like this. Oh, completely. Yeah, that's but it's hilarious. Terribly racist. <laughs> <laughs> so the crowd pop hues for everything Tucker does, 
Uh, Brian Christopher bleeding from the mouth. Uh, caught it on the railing on the ringside after he missed a dive, I seem to remember. Yeah, he he dived off the top turnbuckle, missed it, and went right into the railing. And that's that's shortly after that when and then Tucker went into his uh, tornado DDT yeah. for a and near like, fall. Come on, these are finishing moves. Well, for light heavyweights, not so much. My experience of light heavyweight, because I wasn't overly WCW aware at this time. I was like, oh my God, look at this. Like, this is like gymnastics. This is what I would see OWE as being without the sure. uh, fraudulent ticket sales. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, Taka is fucking insane, man. I love this dude. Uh, I really think he should be held in the same regard as guys like Liger, Ultimo, Rey Mysterio. He's just one of the best light heavyweights of all time. Do oh, you not so, agree? Sorry, I, I I hadn't noticed my cat had just walked into the kitchen carrying a massive mouse in his mouth and my wife's oh. just in shooting him out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go deal with that or are we carrying on? Oh no, we're carrying on. Yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> okay. we're live. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Brian Christopher's bleeding from the mouth. So Lula comes across to Brian Christopher and Jerry cleans up his own kid for a change. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's used to clearing up after other kids. Mm, indeed, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I read that joke slightly wrong, but I think the sentiment is still very valid. <laughs> uh, let me just uh, let me just give it to you how I plan to give it. Okay. So Brian Christopher's bleeding from the mouth. So Lawler comes across to Brian Christopher, and Jerry cleans up his own kid for a change. <laughs> Good grief! That's how I meant to deliver that line. Anyway, so let's carry on. I just heard an air horn. Fuck. I got really worried because I thought it was going to be like that English show again. Oh, God. But um, thank uh, God they're, they're very minor. It's, um, yeah, it's not horrific. It's not like, have you ever watched um, Capital Carnage or something like that recently? On the British oh, not shows? recently, no. I mean, uh, when we did UK Rampage, obviously there was quite a lot of hornage. Oh my God, it's so much worse the later ones. Like, I watched the bit of Capital Carnage the other day and it's constant tax. There's like five or six people with horns like in the front row. I swear, it's oh, so bad. Horny boys. So JR and King spend a lot of this match joking around with the whole Jerry is Brian's dad thing. It's it's funny. It's and I'm 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 not a big fan, but it works. Um, let's just skip through these spots. So Brian Christopher German, German suplexes Tacker right onto his head. It looked absolutely br- brutal. But um, to make up for it, he's kind of working the crowd well. So he's like a dick, but he's doing a good job as a heel. My note shortly after you did this was um that Brian Christopher hit the stroke and if this was TNA in yeah. 2005 he'd be world champion <laughs> <laughs> nice so um, uh, yeah so Brian Christopher misses the I hate my hips top rope leg drop the Tennessee jam um, and then the best move in existence is hit by Taka Mishinoku the Mishinoku driver dangerous it's just the best no one does it like Taka and I'm so surprised to see a three yeah, one, two, three, off the mission Oak driver as it always should be. The winner and first WWF light heavyweight champion of all time, Taka Mishinoku. Um, we cut to an Asian person in the crowd instantly because, you know. Because <laughs> they thought it was Tucker. <laughs> Probably. WWE production is great in there this time. So uh, Vince, pa- Vince was like, he's gone in the crowd. He's gone in the crowd. <laughs> Follow him. <laughs> Pat Patterson, Tony Aria, and Jerry Briscoe present Tackle with the first light heavyweight championship belt. It's um, it's suitable. It's not gorgeous, but it's it's a nice belt. It's a decent prop. Sure. What do you think of the match and the whole light heavyweight scene and the tournament? Do you remember this the first time? 
I don't rem- I think wasn't Scott Putsky in the tournament at some point and that's near the time shortly after he blew out his oh no because we, we saw him blow out his knee in one of the um, one of the shows we've covered yeah that was pretty much the end of his time with WWF yeah so but that would have already happened I don't recall much of the tournament and other than people like Tucker and S.A. Rios and then Dean Malenko when he came in with the Radicals they, and obviously you know the greatest thing to come out of the light heavyweight division bringing in S.A. Rios was Lita who's the greatest person to come out of the light heavyweight division, to be completely honest. Um, mm, they yeah. didn't really do Tucker. much with it. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't do anything with him. Yeah, but he went on to have a hell of a career. I suppose if, I, I suppose having Kai and Tai with him and um, Funaki when they did the evil indeed joke was, yeah. was quite funny. And then they went off against Undertaker and Kane which is quite an entertaining Again, match. Very, very racist, but funny, yes. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll never forget the, um, the Kai and Tai guys against the ICP lot, what are they called? The Oddities? The Oddities, yeah. That was such a fun feud because it was like four crazy fast Japanese guys against these three slow-moving monsters. It was just <laughs> so much fun. What are you trying to say about Golga? He's a, he's an athlete. <laughs> so is oh. Kurgan, to be fair. So, Tax, it's time for... Race war! But before that starts, everyone I, I, see four, four middle-aged men trying to rap? <laughs> Hang on. Are we talking about Backstreet Boys? Or are we talking <laughs> this next match, which is racist against Cubans? <laughs> <laughs> well, considering they're Puerto Rican, then that <laughs> is quite racist. That was, that's meant to be the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure for a second. Okay, cool. Good to know. So Los Bolicuas make their way to the ring. Uh, they are rapping badly. Um, Lots of juniors in Los Bolicuas. Miguel <laughs> Perez Jr., Jesus Castillo Jr., and Jose Estrada Jr., and mm. Xavier Vega. Much Senior. like the uh, Mexican wrestling scene currently, there's lots of sons of sons and generations of families that get passed on these high-profile roles. I look forward to when one day we get El Hijo de Miguel Perez Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. WWE will get it wrong. So these boys on their way to the ring, they're hilariously out of time with each other and the music. It, it's fucking great. Like they're rapping over the top of each other and all sorts. It's proper hilarious. At this time, Conan's just sitting there going, again, they don't understand. These guys aren't Mexican and they're not me. <laughs> yeah, fucking name. So um, we get a six-man tag team match of the Disciples of the Apocalypse. Eight Ball, Chains, and Skull are white supremacists for this match against Los Boricuas. hang on, hang on, hang on. That's not fair for Chains. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're playing uh, bikery white supremacists, at least. So Chains is Yeah, cha- Chains, chains is in <laughs> character. <laughs> Skull and Eight Ball are just, they, they, this is their life. They just turn up and wrestle. <laughs> Fucking hell. So uh, against... Jesus Castillo or Jesus Castillo? Jesus know. Castillo. There you go. Jose Estrada and Miguel Perez with all Sa- junior with Savio Vega at ringside. So the best guy isn't wrestling. He doesn't work Sundays. Let's check that cat <laughs> and come back in with another mouse. Oi, Taffy, fuck off with that mouse. Hang on. <laughs> oh, and it's alive. Taffy, kill it. Fuck's sake. Jesus Taffy, Christ. kill it. Get it. <laughs> you shit I'm bag. leaving this in. <laughs> hang on right I'll get him out hang on two secs no worries just uh, sit here and wait for tax while he tackles this mouse I really don't want to have to edit the podcast that's why I'm filling rather than uh, just being silent and then cutting this so uh, how you all doing out there you feeling good I'm trying to make my voice sound super 
Radio DJ, hello. I mean, you literally can't buy podcast action like this. I bet it's going to come back in again with a third. I've just shut the kitchen door. So in a minute, I might have to like old school, like Animaniac style, jump on the table, screaming, going, oh, it's a mouse. At least he could have the common decency to fucking kill it. Little shitbag. He bought yeah, sure. a bird in the other day and just dropped it on the floor and Harriet went out. So it's like, daddy, we've got a new pet. <laughs> Holy fuck. And speaking of people who can't get the job done, this six-man tag. (laughs) (coughs) Segway. Genius. Yeah, beautiful. So, uh, race war video package. Uh, Referee (laughs) Tim White sends Savio to the back. Uh, In fairness, you say say race war video. It's not as bad as when they had the Nation of Domination video, but they were all filmed against the same brick wall. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, so referee Tim White, Tim White immediately sends Savio Vega to the back. Uh, I wonder if that will affect the finish of the match at some point, Dax. All I could think of at this stage is going, was this before or after they did the Tim White videos? Definitely Which before. were hideously inappropriate. Well, the whole him committing suicide in WWE.com. Yeah. Yep, that happened. This is a time where... PG kids. They allow racists to wrestle as themselves... Puerto Rican guys who can't work to come in because Sabio Baker's like these are my boys Cuban <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god the Harris brothers are shit aren't they yeah so uh, Miguel uh, the whole shave your back standing moonsault guy um, misses a nothing off the top rope and instantly grabs his knee and tags out rolling to the floor like he's injured um, he did quite a good job of selling it I did wonder for a second but it kind of went a bit oversell on it I would say yeah the the bad acting award definitely goes to uh, to these guys today sure so Savio Vega is back, back out to replace his injured teammate can he do that Joey <laughs> I, I noted down here saying Spanish A-Train seems to injure his leg <laughs> <laughs> the temptation to immediately go can he do that joey but in a spanish accent <laughs> but i'm not gonna do that so uh tim white says no schmoz central doa and Bariqua's brawl miguel I... has a miraculous recovery flippy leg drop thing for the one two three and your winners are lost Bariqua's in what is a fucking terrible match what were you gonna say i wrote in my notes that tim white is a racist because he refuses to let the uh lost Bariqua switch <laughs> and he's fucking actually in the back pocket of the doa I mean, the match is a, a typical six-person match from these two teams. If you've ever seen them before, or seen the other shows that we've talked about them, that they, they're just they're bigger guys doing '90s wrestling. Yep, boring, very sure. boring. The only people on motorbikes who have ever gotten over in WWE has been the Undertaker and the LOD. I might allow Aces and Eights because some of their bikes were nice. <laughs> Not WWE, but yeah, I know what you mean. So, um, I mean, at least race issues are now solved, Tax. Because we've solved racism, yeah? Exactly. (laughs) We're we're tackling the modern modern issues here. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. My cat's a racist. I saw the colour of the mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Never never brings a white mouse home. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Jesus. (laughs) So backstage with Doc Hendricks and Butterbean. Yes, I called him Doc Hendricks. Uh, Butterbean doesn't like how Mero treats Sable. Oh, he's a good person, Dax. It's almost like Butterbean had won a massive fight the night before and then just turned up to this gun. I'll take a payday. Yeah, I mean, that's the story is that Butterbean fought a boxing match last night and is here to do wrestling. 
did you look up what happened with Butterbean? Was this real? I didn't. All I'm assuming, similar to when Bob Holly had the race car and was wrestling, that they consider Butterbean a dual sport athlete. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you cared about this storyline as much as I did, because I didn't look it up either. So. <laughs> Cole, boo, backstage with Sable. <laughs> uh, cuts to a video package of Mero and Butterbean from the last few weeks. So the story is basically, Sable is a whore, Mero is a cunt, ah, the world of Vince Russo. <laughs> I mean what's not true <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it okay um and butterbean's here to save the day so we have a four round in massive air quotes tough man fight between marvelous mark mero with ray rinaldi his coach and sable his missus versus I'd... butterbean a legitimate knockout fucking brutal artist if you saw him knock out bart gun at wrestlemania 15? 15. You know what we're talking about. He's with Art Gore and Murray Sutherland, who are his coaches. Well, the good thing is next week we get to cover that match in full of Bart Gunn getting knocked the fuck out. Oh, shit. Yeah, we do. We've kind of talked about it already, but still, yeah, that'd be fun. But in fairness, you know, I assume this is a tough man contest because the athletic board of um, Springfield, Massachusetts would not sanction such a rigorous fight, even though <laughs> Mark Merrow is a Golden Gloves boxing champion. But then again, so is Baron Corbin. Yeah, and uh, watch it when you, how you say tough man, by the way. It has to be air quotes, tough man, because oh. this is the biggest load of bullshit worked nonsense. Fuck, this is terrible. I haven't seen a bigger work since I saw Mayweather versus McGregor. <laughs> so what I was talking about earlier with the whole sign thing and how he tears up the sign, it's actually this moment that I was thinking of. When Mero grabs a sign that says Sable Who with a big question mark, holds it up and tears it in half. And this was in all the video packages through 98, I swear. Yeah, which is kind of Sable Who ripping it up. It's like, well, hang on. You're supposed to be not putting her over. So why? Yeah. Oh, Mark Merrow. Just go back to being Johnny B. Bad. That would have been amazing. Had Vince not tried the, to get his hands on Mark Merrow, this would have been great. The fast transition from the Johnny B. Bad kind of Little Richard character to this guy. It's, it's, it's quite impressive how different he is. He can certainly play a role and... It works because I remember all along Mark Merrow as a, a WWF fan. I was like, I really don't like this guy. Sure. And that's not because he kept on trying to potato sack Sable. It's because I thought he was a bit of a prick. Yeah. it's um, He definitely comes across like that. I think he's quite a good heel, to be honest. Um, yeah, he, he was doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Butterbean uh, has comedy porn music for his entrance. It's fucking abysmal. <laughs> Sexy. Um, if, <laughs> I've literally written, if this is a shoot, it'll be over within 20 seconds because Butterbean's going to knock this guy the fuck out. Uh, the I can't believe rings. Mark Merrow lasted longer than Bart Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the bell rings, the first few punches are thrown, and oh, it's a work. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, Merrow has a few cheating spots here and there, like he drop kicks Butterbean in the back of the neck after round two, I think it was. Yeah, he's such a dastardly heel. Yeah, this is the typical, it's the same story of Piper and Mr. T at WrestleMania 2, I think it was. Except where... done terribly. Yeah, well, absolutely abysmally. So, um, can they do any of this shit, Joey? Like, seriously, <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, round three, we get Terminator Butterbean, but again, they fell, to, fell uh, blah, sorry, they fall into this slow, boring, worked punch routine. Butterbean holds Mero's head with one hand, knocks Mero down in a knockout kind of moment. 
Mero flops around, sells it. Butterbean dumps cold water onto Mero to wake him up. I'm like, can they? This fight's continuing. Should they do that, Joey? Really? <laughs> like he's just got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, the the worked element of this was bullshit. I, yeah. I the, the I mean, it was terrible up to this stage. But then the water spot is like, what are you doing? And round four comes along. There's an absolute fucking murder as Butterbean kills Mark Mero. Uh, Mero back up immediately, <laughs> not selling this knockout at all. Low blow. Mero picks up a stool from the corner and hits Butterbean with it. I am the stool. It doesn't break. <laughs> Repeat the spot. Some sort of bullshit finish, but fuck all that shit. Mero goes to leave the ring, slips on the apron, and Pratt falls to the floor. Best spot of the match. <laughs> I it's think that's my second favourite thing over Titus O'Neil stacking it and <laughs> sliding under the ring at the uh, greatest ever Royal Rumble. It's in the background of the shot, but fuck me, is it funny? It's completely not deliberate. His feet slip from underneath him. He pratfalls on the hardest part of the ring right to the floor. Oh, it's fucking great. It's so funny. Punishment for low-blowing butterballs. <laughs> um, do you want to describe the match a bit for me? What you thought of it? Match this should not this have gone 10 minutes. It was not entertaining. It was embarrassing. Mero was trying hard, though, to be a dastardly heel, but this was just worked bullshit. When, in, in the third round, when Busbean had Mero in the corner, you'll be able... Just the, the shit onslaught they had on Mero, the, the pussiness of it, how fake and worked it was. When we look at what he did to Bart Gunn, you can obviously see following this match, Butterbean went into training to learn how to throw out a punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah this, this, this was dog shit. But Absolutely kind awful. of funny dog shit, though. No, waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, but I, I enjoyed how badly worked it was at times because it was so stupid, so ridiculous. I appreciated Mark Merrow's attempts to cheat that's yeah. the only positive i'll take out of that i mean he gets knocked out woken up with a bucket of cold water and then is told to start the next round <laughs> it's so stupid <sighs> so um i found it sounds some like more... these judges work for the <laughs> ufc <laughs> <laughs> at least the ufc a few years ago fucking hell they got a bit better recently but it's what it is so uh, i've got a few sign updates for you here tax uh far sable, away sable is a knockout uh, unfortunately <laughs> that's a few years too early um <laughs> sable belongs with butterbean nice and possessive there um one that actually gets mentioned on commentary later for their match is lod is old and the last one which is proper 90s sauciness was uh sean show me your boy toy and was that held by the two uh, old lads behind commentary? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, cue a very, very shouty promo by Luna with her uh, friend, Goldust. Do you want to describe this? <laughs> friend, Goldust is wearing what I wish I had the balls to wear to the <laughs> ring. <laughs> you get pretty close to be fair. <laughs> You've got the feather boa and like the little hot pants down. You need the whole pink bodysuit with the sexy mask and whatever glitter shit going on i mean i'm pretty sure that gold dust is wearing the first asian porn i whacked off to <laughs> nice <laughs> i mean this wasn't the first thing you whacked off to <laughs> oh no i i did that to to sable because <laughs> yeah, she definitely. belongs to butterbean right yeah fucking a so um gold dust is out with luna on a leash i'm sorry 
gold dust is on the leash, Luna. It's like um, it's hashtag me too. Yeah, <laughs> it's proper dominatrix sort of embarrassment type stuff, you know. So uh, they tried comes out. Go I was on. gonna say they only tried dominatrix one more time with Shaniqua when she managed the Basham brothers, and even then it was like dominatrix does not work in WWE. Yeah. It could, in theory. Like, Scarlett Bordeaux has done some stuff along those lines in indie promotions and such. Um, wouldn't say no. So, um, anyway. So, Goldust starts to read Green Eggs and Ham. You know, I am Sam. I am Sam. Sam I am. That Sam I am. Etc. Etc. Um, and just bores the audience to death. It's very Andy Kaufman. I, I, I wrote my note. He was like, this was starting to bore me a bit. And evidently it would bore Luna when she shoved him. <laughs> I think that's the idea, though. Like Andy Kaufman would come out and do shows and such and do his routines and his silly impressions and things. Then if someone would shout something from the audience, he'd just read The Great Gatsby to them. <laughs> just to be a cunt, you know? And I love him for that. And this very much feels like that. It's just how can we weird the audience out and get them to dislike this person? And it kind of works, you know? He's certainly getting over as a a he I say a heel. He's certainly moving away from that gold dust character now he's going to a mm. completely different extreme from wrestlemania 12 gold dust I which was so controversial from, yeah they went from kind of sparkly gold bodysuit gold dust who's like a live oscar almost you know like a movie thing um uh, to, go on. i was gonna say st- still life with apricot and pears yeah, absolutely definitely in that vein but into a more marilyn manson kind of freak dominatrix gimmick Again, li- living up to the times and the mu- the musical tastes of that era. Sure, yeah. So, um, the only comment I've got about this is uh, drugs are very Moorish. <laughs> so are crunchy nut cornflakes. <laughs> but uh, Goldust wasn't eating very many crunchy nut cornflakes, was he? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there was a translation difference. In here, we call them crunchy nut cornflakes. In in America, they might have called them somers. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Luna does some dominatrix stuff, shoves Goldust to the back. It's it's super weird, but I kind of loved it. Going to be honest, this is great. It's different. It's freaky. It's it made me think like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, I, it was dumb and stupid and boring, but, but it was more compelling than the tough man in Commas match. Absolutely, man. It's it, it's not just another wrestler standing doing a promo backstage, you know, which is what something different needed. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I think we've got like a slight delay on our audio thing so I I keep talking over you I apologise for that (laughs) I've deliberately stopped there just because I didn't want to talk over you I thought you were working me so uh, Michael Cole boo backstage with the Legion of Doom (laughs) Uh, video replays of the New Age Outlaw stealing the tag straps from LOD Uh, shouty McShouty shouty shouty tell him Hawk well, yeah, you did it. So he says, uh, Hawk says, Mr. Dog, Mr. Ass, you two completely remind me uh, of a deep embedded booger. <laughs> Just proceeds to describe the New Age Outlaws as a booger stuck in his nose and how he's going to flick them. Um, can I can I point out when all the modern day wrestling fans go, ah, oh, you need to go back to the Attitude Era when everyone didn't have script writers. This is why they have script writers. <laughs> Because instead of Hawk finishing going, she goes, what a booger. Oh. Like, honestly, the last segment, the one with Goldust, needed less cocaine. 
this segment <laughs> could have used a bit more. <laughs> I don't it's... think Hawk could have ever needed more cocaine. <laughs> but this family-friendly LOD is not my favourite LOD. I know it's selfish and it's horrible that he died and he had drug overdose and stuff. But oh my God, when these guys are coked up to their eyeballs, they're fucking the best. <laughs> Uh, what a fond fond way to remember one of the greatest tag teams of all time. They are really good when they're off their tits on coke. I mean, am I wrong? I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Road Warriors make their entrance. It, it's not quite the Road Warrior pop it used to be, but LOD is still over as fuck and they're awesome. Like when they stand on those corner turnbuckles and the lights flicker on and off. Oh. I still think I prefer, I, I did not like this version of LOD versus LOD 2000. <laughs> yeah. LOD 2000 had new spikes. <laughs> yeah, true. What do you prefer, red or black spikes? Uh, ooh, I go black, spike, black spikes with red. That's for me. Black spikes with <laughs> the red shoulder compromise. pads. No, no, uh, no, no. That's no, cheating. They, I, looking back to the um, the Hasbro wrestling figure, it was the red shoulder pads with the black spikes. That will always be my uh, LOD memory. Sure. So, WF World Tag Team title match of the New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog, who are current champions, before DX New Age Outlaws. Oh, yes. Versus the Legion of Doom, Road Warrior Animal and Road Warrior Hawk, uh, without their lovely manager, whose name suddenly escapes me. What's Paul Ellering. No Paul Ellering here, which I thought was a shame. I love Paul Ellering with these guys. That's the, that's the big trick they miss when... Uh, Ellering was managing AOP and they didn't bring him up to the main roster yeah I thought that was a shame apparently that was um, a creative decision as well it wasn't his decision at all he wanted to come up yeah ridiculous uh, and also maybe it was a case of ah if we bring him up are we going to have to sign his daughter <laughs> uh, maybe man so the D-O-double-G does his oh you didn't know and other bah. stick but no one sings along with him this is very early New Age Outlaws before people know the shtick you know yeah, because Billy Gunn was still a struggling singles prior to this matchup because he joined the job squad before the New Age Outlaws came along, hadn't he? Because it was Road Dog, Meanie, uh, Al Snow. Yeah, that's much later. Was it yeah, uh, two oh, or three like, years? Oh, because I, th- I thought they were part of job squad before the New Age Outlaws. No, because the job squad didn't come around until ECW folded, so that was later. Really? Well, it might not, actually, I might be wrong there. Job squad. That was uh, that was like hardcore Holly and Al Snow and stuff, wasn't it? So that was definitely later. It's not yet. Oh wow, I, I've dated myself. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. So the road dog calls the LOD dinosaurs. Um, LOD chase away the New Age Outlaws up the aisle way, but the New Age Outlaws leg it to the back. And they've um, also got cardio. <laughs> <laughs> True. So road dog still on the mic uh, while he's in the back goes. We just need to warm up a little bit more stretching. <laughs> I thought this is pretty funny. Giving someone, giving someone like Road Dog a live mic was always beneficial to the, their tag team product because his quick wit and his ability to interact with the fans was was spot on. Definitely, they uh, they go to repeat this spot of New Age Outlaws coming up and the LOD chasing them to the back before the match has even started. Uh, rinse repeat, but the LOD stu- uh, sorry, but the DX boys or soon to be DX boys get stopped by the Stooges as they come through. Who was it? It was. Uh, Briscoe and Patterson. And a couple of others I seem to remember. It was quite a lot of people, but whatever. Um, the oh, LOD... and Terry Taylor was in there, wasn't he? Uh, I think so. 
Uh, but the Legion of Doom grab the D- soon-to-be DX boys, and off we go. The bell rings, the match starts, Animal grabs the strap off Road Dog and slaps it across Road Dog's back, right Yowch. in front of the referee. Can we do that, Joey? No disqualification? It's an OD match. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, tag partners uh, sitting on the wrong, standing on the wrong corners. How do you feel about this? Not happy. Not happy yeah. about this at all. Really annoyed me. Like, was this a thing in '97? It fucked me off. <laughs> really <laughs> fucked me off. On the left-hand side, they stand furthest away from the camera. On the right, the nearest to the camera. But yeah, I, I think remember it. in '97 they would change it up all the time. They ruined it. <laughs> ruined it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Um, there's a couple of times like uh, where guys are at ringside and they're on the hard cam side. Oh, that drove me insane. Where you just see the back of their head constantly in front of the ring. Well, d- wait, wait till we get to the main event and after the main event, bloody hell, <laughs> DX. <laughs> okay. So LOD completely dominate this match, even though they are the let's crack team. on, let's crack on. And the New Age Outlaws, deadly, lethal, Ooh, devastating styrofoam blocks to the sh- shot to the head of Hawk. What the fuck was this? Hello. It's a styrofoam box, and he's just like donk. <laughs> Hawk sells it. Are know. you still there? Fucking weird. Tax. Oh, hello, Tax. Hello. 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 Yeah, that's better. Oh, perfect. All good. Uh, where did we leave off? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, do you want to do a, <laughs> uh, a a leg clap to find where we are for this? Uh, did you stop your recording? <laughs> no, because I kept carried on rambling away. I didn't know you weren't there. <laughs> that's a good thing then, because I haven't stopped mine either. So it'll still all be in sync. Lovely. Cool. Right. So, um. The New Age Outlaws do this deadly, lethal, devastating styrofoam box shot to the head of Hawk. Um, yeah, not the most <laughs> painful thing I've ever seen. Oh, that polystyrene just flew everywhere. <laughs> Hawk sells it like a beast, though. <laughs> like it was fucking steel. He probably thought that the white cloud out of it was something quite useful. <laughs> <laughs> so Road Dog randomly just does the worm into a pinfall. I popped hard for this, I've got to say. It's nice to see the worm. <laughs> it wasn't quite as good as uh, Scotty Two Hotties. No, it and it's certainly not as good as Otis's Caterpillar. Sure, sure. So um, there was a moment here in this match where I thought of you. There's a double down into a double down. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this is really impressive. So both lads make the tag. Nice pop for the Road Warriors tagging him. Uh, Henry Godwin out to interfere behind the ref's back. Hawk grabs the slot bucket off of the Godwin, uh, swings it at everyone in sight. Ding, ding, ding. 
disqualification by the new, uh, new age out blah, sorry legion of doom get disqualified and your winners and still the new age outlaws did you notice during this match and just to go show how much i uh didn't really care for a dq finish did you notice that hawk shouted something out and it was bleeped on the network oh, did you get know. that I, just before so just after he he got smashed around the head with what i refer to as the kitchen sink nudge nudge <laughs> wink sure. um something gets bleeped so i don't know if someone said something they shouldn't have but i thought oh well you know clearly not attitude error on wwe network yet sure there's a a lot of stuff gets through on the network still like people have missed the um the swears and such yeah so um yeah i didn't actually notice sorry man nice to have uh (laughs) henry godwin come out could have been a main event player (laughs) sure so um do you find it a bit weird that they're doing a dusty finish but the LOD as the faces still completely dominated the match and didn't even put the guys over. I think that was the whole idea of the Outlaws, though, wasn't it? They were supposed to be weak, sn- conniving, sniving little baddies, so they're going to get the shit kicked out of them, but they still somehow come out on top. Sure. It it, it doesn't last that long because they get over quickly with the whole DX formation thing post-WrestleMania 14. That that made it that made it for them. I think had they not joined DX and all the backstage stuff and all the backstage interviews about how DX picked the outlaws to mm. join them was very much along the lines of these guys seem to be working quite hard. We want to give them a chance. And Vince was like, "No, I don't see anything in them. Which they're just they're literally just jobbers, but they're thrown together." Chicken shit heels. Exactly. Mm. And one of my favorite bits of footage of all time is when the DX come out to assist, sorry, when New Age Outlaws come out to assist DX in a brawl. And then it's Sean as uh, New Age Outlaws are going to the back. Sean is leaning on the ropes going, okay, yeah, you guys are pretty good. You know, with his <laughs> hand up. It's one of my favorite little bits of selling because it's just like, all right, we see you. We see you. It's just that little acknowledgement. I thought it was a really nice moment, but whatever. Um, I definitely but- got the feeling like the Legion of Doom didn't like the New Age Outlaws in this match. They were throwing them about they were very rough with them and also you notice that um billy gun was very sensible because he let road dog do quite a lot of the getting <laughs> the shit kicked out of him <laughs> there was lots of road dog getting hit by something and then just crawling away from whichever person did it to try and make sure they don't just do it again you know yeah uh, it was okay. it wasn't great so jr and lawler took up the next match an awesome wwf video package comparing this feud to an actual war um, cheesy yeehaw Bon Jovi rock anthem kind of over the top of Sergeant Slaughter's slapping on the Cobra Clutch to everyone I thought this I was mean, a really good work up to something that let's be honest people didn't really care about so much I mean war what is it good for absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing you've got to go Hoo! <laughs> no I, I, I did my loud bit for Hawk <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very aware that it's now 10 o'clock in the evening and I can't shout <laughs> down the microphone as much as I want to so it's what it is so um, Cole boo backstage with Triple H in China that, that's over <laughs> with Triple H in China uh, Triple H has a survival kit oh that's nice of him I could use one of those at the moment um, <laughs> he's got a comb uh, metamuscle prunes and depends whatever that is I guess it depends what's in the back <laughs> <laughs> oh dear god 
Uh, we're English. We don't know what depends is. D- dep- depend depends are for uh, ur- urination leakage. I guess it depends on European. <laughs> I can't get through the joke. It's not even funny, but I just love it. Good work. Uh, America. You. America has funny names for things. What can I say? Yeah. Wait, it, is that a thing we have? I think we have ten a man. Oh, okay. Oh, it's I one le- of those. It's like a sanitation thing. Well, I can word. literally only tell you that because <laughs> one of the clients who I do the accounts for always puts it through his construction industry stuff because he's like, well, can't, can't just wear pants. <laughs> oh, I laugh now. What happens to me, I probably won't be laughing. So a uh, nice moment where the camera pans across China to, uh, that pisses off Triple H in his little pre-match thing. I thought that was really good. <laughs> uh, Triple H literally grabs it and goes, oh, I'm looking at me, numbnuts or something. I don't remember quite what he said. Um, Triple H gestures towards his penis. Would you believe it, Tax? Suckite. <laughs> what did you... <laughs> I said suckite. Um, yeah, I got it. Oh, it took me a second, but I got there. So uh, next up is our boot camp match of Triple H with China versus Sergeant Slaughter. Basically, um, a street fight. So, this is basically them trying to do Austin McMahon before Austin McMahon, because Sergeant Slaughter is the authority figure. Triple H is the rebel, kind of dominant champion sort of guy. Yeah, well, he's he's the champion. The champion's like second in command, going against the authority, while the champion has far too much to go. But it's very much. Sure face authority figure with great historic background going against upstart degenerate sure so the dx theme cuts in it's fucking awesome and fast cutting between live camera and the entrance video it's just the best i love it so much it made me realize that someone must have watched this entrance video before they started editing world of sport on itv (laughs) wow no comment i hope my employer doesn't hear this hello sir how are you i'm a good boy so james e cornet backstage interview with sarge fucking l tax come on you're gonna get me in trouble these are only the view of tax williams the man who's upset so many people and this is no wonder why he never gets booked anywhere Hi, progress. Uh, oh, Jesus. I've got something about them later. Don't you worry. Um, so Sarge calls Triple H, you puke and you maggot and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Sarge is going to beat up Triple H and that's an order. Um, What's your opinions on Sarge? Have we ever talked about Sarge? I think any man who gets over so badly as a heel as an Iraqi sympathizer who they actually had to set up sniper watch <laughs> in case someone tried to take his life. I think that's definitely in a time where kayfabe was real that I, I have big <laughs> respect for Sarge. Yeah, I'm, I never really enjoyed his matches, but I think his promo work and character work are very good. Yeah, there's I can't sit there and say, you remember that Sergeant Slaughter match that was really good? No, mm. but his promos, especially heading into WrestleMania, was it WrestleMania Seven, wasn't it? With um, yeah, that was sure. a, that around the time of the Gulf War, wasn't it? I think. I, I don't know that that middle bit between like three and fourteen, just they all blur into one for me. Pop, you know, nine, ten, and Brett and stuff. 
apart from Lawrence Taylor main eventing WrestleMania. Sure, the football one is a weird one, but I can tell you which one it is just off the top of my head. All um, these fucking celebrities ruining WrestleMania the main <laughs> events. Lawrence Taylor, Ronda Rousey. Bloody Gronk. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Triple H in jeans and a cut-off t-shirt because this is a street fight, basically. Which works. Uh, I, I think that. Why sure. would you turn up in ring gear to a street fight? Because you can be more athletic and attack people better in it. I'm just saying. Anyway, so Kurt Angle's music plays. And no one says, you suck. And I'm just like, oh, God, this was a good time, wasn't it? Which is basically a shame because, you know, the Patriot only used that music three pay-per-views ago. (laughs) Wow, that's a real thing. Yeah, Jesus, I forgot about that. So Sarge enters. Triple H gestures towards his penis. He does this a lot, Tax. (laughs) He's just flirting with Stephanie nice and early. (laughs) So uh, Triple H jumps Sarge and off they go. Uh, Triple H reverses a Cobra clutch at one point and gets a face pop. And I'm like, oh no, it's not going well. <laughs> Sarge, Sarge is good. He takes a mad bump out of a corner bump. Like he gets Irish whipped into the corner. Like flips up upside down to the outside at 49 years old. Like this is fucking awesome. This this led to the part of the match that just bemused me. And this is the sort of thing I'd expect to see in modern day WWE. So obviously... Slaughter's on the outside. He beats down Triple H and he attempts to cover him. And then you had the oh, referee yeah. turn around and go, it's not false count anywhere. So how does Sergeant Slaughter not bloody know this? He made the fucking match. <laughs> He's the commissioner. <laughs> and thought about it. You could just go, no, 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 they do. And it would be fine because he's the commissioner, right? Oh, didn't abuse his power like a good commissioner. Can you do that, Joey? <laughs> so, uh, walk and or brawl. Uh, Sarge is back out, uh, but gives Triple H, uh, but Triple H talks too much. Because um, he's just calling spots like he's fucking screaming. It's it's very prevalent. It's because Sarge is old. He's hard of hearing. <laughs> Armbar! <laughs> I think there's so much crowd noise, they have to shout at each other just to get their shit across. Yeah, it's, just, it's a shame it picks up. Yeah, it does. You can literally hear him going, do a vertical suplex. <laughs> he just does one straight away, and you're like, oh, God. So anyway, Sarge up top, flare spot off the top. Um, ref gets in and out of the ring to count the fall. It's super weird. What is this about? It's dog shit. I think probably Sarge was like, I just watched Tucker and Christopher do some really good stuff. I'm going to try and copy that. Got to the top right and goes, oh, I'm very high up. <laughs> It's the bit where the ref is on the outside because it's a street fight. But every time there's any sort of submission attempt, or like Cobra Clutch, for example, or a pinfall, the ref has to then slide into the ring, count the pinfall, or ask the guy if he's going to quit, and then slide back out the ring when they start wrestling. So there's a bit where they do some fast like pinfall, like false finishes, and the guy's just constantly in and out of the ring. I, I definitely think this was uh, a rib. This is definitely a rib. There's no- <laughs> it must have been. It's super silly and it's 97. Vince does not give a fuck at this point about like rim refs and things. So um, Cobra Clutch spots, blah, 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 blah. China in to break it up and fuck up the referee. Sarge throws the powder into China's eyes for a big face pop. Uh, got it's not the first loose. thing that something white got splashed into <laughs> China's eyes. And moving on, <laughs> Triple H slams <laughs> his boot into Sarge. Not the last time Sarge has something slammed into him. <laughs> <laughs> that's not <Poor> china <laughs> sorry sarge i love you uh who who, who throws a shoe by the way jesus so, uh, <laughs> cobra clutch locked in again china puts punts sarge in the balls hard as fuck well because she was blinded by the salt spunk sure <laughs> P- 
pedigree onto the steel chair. God damn, that move's awesome. For the one, two, three. And unsurprisingly, your winner is Triple H. This lasted nearly 20 minutes. I mean, it's long, it's slow, it's very walk and brawl, but the story's brilliant. It's heel against face and... The crowd are into cool Triple H, you know, which is not a good thing. Your heel should not be cool, but Triple H is, so it's kind of I like of a the design of his vest top. That was good. What, Triple H is on? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> this is obviously the end of Sarge's in-ring career, This sort of these sort of matches. It was a nice touch, though, to try and use that old ring general, and it was a good opportunity for Triple H to get a win over a name an established name so if you've got the casual viewer who would have watched it like six seven years ago and when they were watching hogan versus slaughter to then see this young upstart beat him Mm. they're like ah it's it's the classic how wwe should be using their legends now to get their new guys over sure man i would say um sarge sells his ass off for triple h especially after the um pedigree on the chair he's a good storyteller yeah sure he has really cool moments there. Triple H is Triple H. He's, he's as good as now as he was then. He's just fucking brilliant. As a WWE star wrestler, he's perfect. And at this um, time, it was really important that they protected Sarge by having Triple H not be able to beat him without the help of China. <laughs> it, 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 I remember watching DX for about a year when I first started watching wrestling, which is about a month or two after this show. Like in my second phase, you know? Yeah. Um, and... Every single week, it was DX cheating to usually win, but sometimes just cheating for cheating's sake, just stopping them losing the titles, you know? So Everyone loves to that. cheat. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with the Attitude Era is that people do love a cheat, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and another schmozzy finish, yeah, as super. was known for the Attitude Era. So that's how we know sure. we're definitely in the Attitude Era because there's very few clean pinfalls. <laughs> I didn't find it that distracting, though. The flow of the show was good. Yeah. It's just the crowd is so hot as well. It really helps everything. It's almost like suggesting that doing shows with little to no fans affects the product. Mm, yeah, true. Even though it's been quite good recently, but whatever. So Michael Cole backstage boo. interview. Oh, yeah, I've got to boo. Sorry. Well, thank you. <laughs> with Why It's double J. And what the fuck is he wearing, Tax? Someone gave him Max Moon's locker room. Wow, it's it's like a big styrofoam shoulder piece from, I don't know, Starlight Express or something. I like the fact as well that Michael Cole Boo was trying to get over the fact that this was Jarrett's in-ring debut. So clearly they forgot his run in the mid-90s. That obviously <laughs> didn't happen. And his amazing match at Starcade that year. We watched it that we can never stop talking about. It's so good. To, uh, it's been a long time since we've had Jeff Jarrett on the pod. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, isn't it? He was on for, a, like, I swear, for the whole of last year, he was on every single podcast, but it's been a while. I'm glad he's so, back and will be uh, featured. <laughs> I mean, holy shit, this Double J entrance music. This is his WWF debut, isn't it? Well, it, this, this run. Re-debut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's these weird audio quotes in his music with Double J talking about how he's the best and it proper popped me. I thought it was funny. This is um, uh, this is probably going to be quite a, a thrown reference. This is the sort of thing they tried to do for Eva Marie's entrance when they had... Um, yeah, very similar. Oh, who? Oh, hang on. The cat has just walked back in oh. and he is going for his normal cat food. He is, he is mouseless. For those who are counting the mouse entrance... He's now two to one. 
No drink for this time. Oh, good grief. <laughs> so, the lights go out. Huge pop for the Undertaker's entrance. Oh. I foolish wrote my notes here. Massive dong. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. It is a massive dong. Everyone loves the Undertaker's dong. They pop hard for it. So, um, Taker doing the slow entrance, but when he gets to the steps to raise the lights, he does it quickly. And you get that big, like, as he does it. Fuck, I love Undertaker in 97. Yeah, this is obviously, you know, this is the, the face version before we go into the ministry Taker, who I still think is the best version of Taker. Mm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm for a little earlier than that, but it's all good. Um, so Taker does his opening reverse the punches in the corner spot. Someone needs to steal this because it's the best opening spot ever. It's great. Crowd are hot instantly. Who would have thought the crowd would be really into a Jeff Jarrett Undertaker match? <laughs> So really, especially Jeff's debut. A lot of people probably don't know who he is at all. He's just some random, weird future cowboy guy. Wasn't he the guy who stole the Ric Flair strut? No, that wasn't him. But this is Jeff Jarrett in-ring <laughs> debut. So JR tells us this is Double J's in-ring debut, as you say. Yeah, and I'm like, immediately, is that a Bill Apter at ringside? I think it was. Yeah. Did you notice? I spotted that. I clocked Bill, yeah. <laughs> He's a good boy. So Taker chokes Double J and chokes Double J tokes. Sorry, Taker chokes Double J in the corner and marches down the ref. Cool heels of the faces in nineteen ninety seven, Dax. Boo. It, it it doesn't work, but it's it's super cool. Taker's awesome. Uh, he yeah, and it's amazing how the same moves he does today um we're still over then old school that let the big old leg drop to him yeah before he had hip replacements sure he looks in such a bad way man i can't wait for that documentary this sunday after money in the bank to see what he's actually like you know it's gonna be good i hope they have the tiger king bit in it that'd be so good <laughs> <laughs> so take a throws double j into the corner and this is a couple of minutes into the match and out go the lights huge fiery explosion it's gotta be Kane and immediately I'm like fire brimstone wait when was bad blood this has already happened I forgot this was now yeah I mean because considering that this is this match is between the HBK Undertaker feud and now the next Kane Undertaker feud. So that's where we're smack bang in the middle. Kane Undertaker's in a little bit of limbo. And they've just mm. gone, oh, we'll go back to this. Wait, hang on a second. Kane only debuted like a, a month or so ago. What are you thinking? Sorry, I, I, I completely messed up when I said go back to this. Go into this. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I got a little lost there. It's fine. So, um... Kane's are you trying to say debuted. that you didn't like the Isaac Yankum Undertaker feud? <laughs> I mean, genuinely, Isaac Yankum, I watched some of that stuff recently. It's fucking great. I would put that gimmick over now. <laughs> it's hilarious. Everyone loves a dentist. So, as under- as Kane makes his entrance, we've got this storyline where Kane has come back. He's the, the burnt brother of the Undertaker who's been hidden in, like, you know, uh, uh, what's the manager's name? Paul Bearer's funeral parlor. That's the one. In like the loft of Paul Bearer's funeral parlor, like the elephant man or something stuck in the loft, you know? He was living and under he's... the stairs of a canoe. <laughs> like Harry Potter, but burnt. <laughs> um, Undertaker will never fight his brother. That's the gimmick here. And so Kane's come out, B 
beat Undertaker down a few times. He's done it on Raw. He did a bad blood against the, the Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Um, and so Double J, as soon as Kane gets in the ring, Double J tries to convince Kane to attack the Undertaker. He's like pushing him along, going, "Go on, big boy, you get him for me." <laughs> and JJ gets a choke slam for his troubles from Kane. It's fucking great, man. Storytelling, 1997. It's just the best. Great dipshit heel work by Jarrett as well. Yeah. Fucking hilarious. Kane is so scary looking. And considering 1997 as well, when you'd be like 12, 13, you're like, fuck. I remember watching Kane beat the shit out of Mick Foley under the red lights on Raw and just being genuinely like, whoa, this is a bit too much, isn't it? It's interesting, though, when you look at the presentation of Kane when he came in and they had all those red lights. Mm. It was spectacular. It was something different. And everyone was really into it. But as it went on with things like The Fiend, people were shitting all over it. It's like, oh, red lights, they're shit. They don't work. But it was a real thing that got Kane over. Don't get me started on Sin Cara's blue lights. <laughs> the difference really for me is it was less the lights because those, those were kind of scary. Don't get me wrong. It was the fact that it was um, mixed selling is what got me. Because Kane's literally yeah. just punting him in the head with whatever objects he could find, basically. And Mick is like, you know, on his knees, like falling around, can't breathe, you know, he's pulling his own hair out and shit. It's, uh, and then the fiend didn't. So uh, Kane strikes his brother in the face, takes cells, and just stares into Kane's eyes. Kane sends up the flames into the air and heads to the back. So, uh, Jeff Jarrett won his debut. Yay! <laughs> when Jeff Jarrett got over on The Undertaker, mm. those were the days. That was a booking plan. Like Hulk Hogan putting over Billy Kidman. Taker put over JJ, yeah? Double J. Yeah, but the difference is Hogan should have put over Kidman. Taker didn't need to bother with this. <laughs> so, post match i guess um uh jj i keep saying jj i'll just say double j sorry because i'm thinking of someone else. jj dylan <laughs> sure so double j tries to beat down undertaker post-match but you know it's the undertaker so uh grabs goozle on the neck of double j uh double j sandbags a choke slam i'm like dude if you want to get over the wf maybe don't sandbag taker fucking hell serves him right i mean taker's knee literally kind of gives out underneath him as he's doing this well, he was selling. The, he was selling the knee during the match, so I don't oh. know if he was legit hurting it or if he was still being very good at selling. I don't know, man. This looked legit to me. Well, who knows? So, uh, hit take his music, and he walks to the back. Uh, something is happening in the crowd as everyone has their backs to the ring. Double J is finally and rightly declared the winner. What a debut! <laughs> Gone over a legend. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, he's a well, Hall of Famer before The Undertaker is. <laughs> oh, well, technically. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, it's not like Undertaker won't be, unless he like, rapes a kid or something. You know? And he's also held more world titles than The Undertaker. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it does depend on what you count as a world title. The TNA title's defended around the world. It's a world title. <laughs> <sighs> I'm not even sure I consider the WCW World Heavyweight Championship a proper WCW world heavyweight championship but whatever god our cat yeah it's weird isn't it it's that year in what was it 2000 where they had like 56 title changes and five vacancies or something yeah 
Kenny Rock won one of those. <laughs> sure. I wonder if you can edit like the Wikipedia just to add Kenny Rock into that lineage and anyone would notice. I'm on it. <laughs> just just for a few months. <laughs> or you could do like one of those, oh, it changed hands on the same night, just add you in to like Lex Luger's run or something. No one would notice. I think I'll throw myself into like a hardcore title run. I just pop myself by going Lex Luger's run. Like Lex Luger had a run with the championship. <laughs> so um, I suddenly realized what was happening in the crowd a second ago. Because Cole is with a very young Mark Henry up in the rafters. Um, Somebody they, gonna get their ass kicked. Uh, not yet, but soon. Uh, Cole keeps hey, going on against... Three Six Mafia were there from the get-go. They just weren't his entrance music, all right? <laughs> Fair enough. So Cole's talking about Milton Bradley. What the fuck is this? No idea. All I could think of was Michael Cole. Boo. I think it was the sponsor or something, but I don't know. Um, Mark Henry, considering his immediate future, thinks Stone Cold Steve Austin will beat The Rock tonight. (laughs) Hang on. That's not the name you were meant to say. Faces got to stick together. I guess. Speaking of which... The WWF Intercontinental Championship match of Stone Cold Steve Austin, our current champion, versus The Rock. No longer Rocky Maivia or Rocky in general. He is now The Rock. And this is the time when The Rock was in the nation where there was the leadership dispute between Rock and Farouk. Sure, which definitely goes over a vast majority of 98, uh, at least the middle bit I seem to remember. Um, so he has D'Lo Brown, Farouk, and Karma Mustafa with him, accompanying him. I found it very uh, Kama, interesting. Karma, the ultimate fighting machine. <laughs> I found it very interesting that Farouk was standing in front of The Rock as they walked down the entranceway, already telling that story. Yeah. Nice nice bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, really, really cool. So Laura and JR send us to a video package. We've got Face Rock, who turns heel because he fell in love with himself, as he says in the promo. Really, really cool stuff here. Uh, and, Rock, and you well, know, in reality, die, Rocky, die. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. The fans hated this guy as a face champion. I didn't realize that he won the IC belt as a face and then turned. Yeah, because he was getting so sick and tired of it. And it's almost like WWE, if they're trying to shove someone down your throats and they boo them, that turning the hill could be a good thing for their career. Yeah, sure. How will they learn? Who knows? Well, so, at least Roman's being sensible and staying well clear, and rightly so. That whole situation has kind of thrown me the last week where they're not mentioning it. Like, edits him out of a clip on Raw. I'm like, what? This is the guy that you've been pushing for years, despite all the fans. Yeah, but then they had a best of special of him on Fox. Did they? Oh, really yeah, this weird. Week. I didn't know that. Oh, so strange. I don't know Leading what they're doing. The latest news report is that basically <clears throat> backstage, like Vince McMahon is like changing like the wind from ignore him, leave him out to oh Roman, yeah, let's get let's get him on Fox. So basically, anything I think that's on Fox on a special Roman gets mentioned, and anything on current TV product, they're like, he fucked up main event, he's gone. Yeah, I'm and it's like, he hasn't Vince fucked up bit. main. He hasn't fucked up main event. He's keeping him and his family alive. Jesus. I don't, I, I don't think it's anything to do with that necessarily. I think it's Vince, man. Vince is getting a bit weird in these decisions that he's making. Yeah, he's but can you imagine how much pressure currently? You know? Yeah, how much money he's lost plus the insider dealing lawsuits, which he's definitely going to get busted on. 
trying to sell your big network to ESPN to then have to have a WrestleMania in front of no audience at all. Mm. You know, but back in this time, Vince McMahon was on it. Sure. So, Rock's heel promo that's playing over the top of the footage is all, almost cringeworthy at times. Like, it's really generic. It's like what this man will become is not what he is currently at all. In no. Terms of I, promo. I didn't think at the time, watching The Rock in 1997, that he would ever become a main event star in WWE, let alone like this massive global phenomenon. Sure. So Austin uh, sneaking into moments on Raw and stunning each member of the nation one by one, week week to week. Uh, Fuck, this storytelling was great. I remember this vividly at the time. Um, In retaliation, The Rock stole Austin's intercontinental strap, a sexy-looking black leather on this old icy belt. Oh, yeah. God damn, that looks good. So Austin wearing warning Rocky that his when his beeper goes off and it reads 316 and then cut to the rock reacting to his beeper going off in the middle of the ring and Austin jumping him from behind. Fuck, it's so good. And um, then there's this really weird line from Austin where he says, it ain't a race thing. It ain't a color thing. You've got to assume this is in reference to the nation rhetoric rather than anything assumed by Austin as a character. As a character. Yeah, I think definitely aimed at the nation. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And he finishes it by going, it's me kicking your ass thing. But the fact he brought up race and color, I'd be like, oh, I thought that was Los Bariquas and Chains and that <laughs> earlier. Not this. Did you do you think they just got on the Harris boys by error in a promo? <laughs> oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so both these boys can talk. It's It's a great story, but Austin is miles ahead of the rock at this point. Yeah, over like Rover. Yeah massively so and also so, anyone who drives to the ring in a pickup truck is going to get the fans <laughs> popping aren't they spoilers much but yeah <laughs> okay so uh there is a promo backstage with the rock of the nation he's really relatively monotone and says he's the best you know it's kind of weird seeing the rock with this lack of personality but um he's starting to call himself the rock rather than rocky Maivier, and you know he's he's over as a heel the chants are immediately prevalent this is constant rocky sucks chance you know it's doing his job as a, as sure. a heel. He's 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 dining off the fans now, and that's the nice thing to see about um, the Rock in late '97. He's really starting to know how to push the buttons of the audience. Yeah, he's he's starting to learn, and having a guy like Austin next to you, it, it's not going to hurt matters. He's fucking great, and the professional rivalry that these two had throughout their career was a real sign in the intensity of their matches even for the for what we're going to cover in a second for this little five minute ditty yeah so the nation do their black power fist in the air thing there's just enough of a delay on this to then when the glass smashes the whole fucking arena goes mental at this stage the the road warriors are backstage going should we be going out yeah like (laughs) seriously this is road warriors like in their prime pop like, I know it gets bigger and badder throughout like 98, 99, where it's, you know, earth-shattering movements every time Austin comes out. But to see this guy over like this in the intercontinental sort of realm, it's you just, oh, you can see there's something very special between these two guys the second they start wrestling each other. And considering this is the first time they've worked one-on-one together in a slightly hokey match, yeah. you could already tell there's chemistry. In both promo and the in-ring stuff. Sure. So, as you said, Austin comes out in the pickup truck. Fucking crazy cool. 
Rocky tries to jump Austin. Austin smashes the shit out of the rock by jumping off the top of the truck and everything. Uh, the nation jump Austin before the bell is rung. D'Lo bump onto the windscreen. Holy shit. D'Lo gets stunned on the roof of the truck. I Rock- am the truck. <laughs> <laughs> the real truck did not sell that shit at all. Uh, Rock and Austin back in the ring. Finally, the bell rings. The audience is nuclear by this point. Uh, Rock is full heel. Austin is pure face wrestling perfection. This this is a thing from a trainee wrestler standpoint for watching how you sell stories with facial expressions for yeah, these guys. Definitely. They're both so good at it. Um, I'm just trying to think where we are. Sorry. So Nation all take a bump on the truck. Looks like a shitload of fun, to be fair. Uh, the rock, rock hoofs Austin in the dick. Uh, rock does the people's elbow before it was the people's elbow. No pop at all. Really I've, surreal. I, I love that. It's a case of something then became the, one of the most sort of iconic finishers in wrestling history. It's just, no, oh, it's done an elbow. <laughs> With a little walking thing before it, you know. Uh, so the crowd are constantly popping or chanting for Austin or against Rocky, like constantly. Uh, the Rock misses the not people's elbow. Uh, the match is proper smash and grab towards the end. It's really, really fun, hectic craziness. Uh, Austin accidentally stunners the ref. Rock has the knuckles, uh, the uh, the knuckle dusters, but Austin hits Rock with a stunner out of nowhere. Uh, a second ref slides into the ring to count the one, two, three. And it's Austin, Austin, ah, well, not yet. <laughs> I thought when the ref came in, I thought, hang on, wait a second. Austin's face. The referee shouldn't be running in to get dupe the bad guy he's not the licensed official for this encounter is that how it's meant to go well you know i've not read the official rule book <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just so much fun this match is bloody great i don't know who put it together i would take a bet it was austin mostly uh, it's this character of he can go up against six seven people and still come out on top oh, and you Austin's have to the appreciate best. the reason why not only is this quite a short match but why there's so much out of the ring stuff for the five and a half minutes that we get is that you know it's SummerSlam in that year or the year before was it SummerSlam '97 where Owen dropped him on his head? Um, I think it was after this because I thought he I thought it was like um yeah because this is Austin was pretty slow since SummerSlam of that year yeah but I could have got my timings out because we're in December '97 and by WrestleMania 14, which is '98, he's main eventing. So yeah, he this must be the yeah. comeback after the uh, neck drop. I think so, because he'd still be the IC champion from the time because he didn't drop the belt. Makes sense. And yeah. I th- so that's where I'm. Go- that's why I think that it was a little bit short, but it was a main storyline, and that would also explain why Austin was still coming out and attacking the nation on Raw because he was limited in what he could do, but. It was a great sample. It was a, the sampler menu leading on to the fantastic <laughs> banquet that we're going to dine on for the next three weeks. Much like this pod compared to the next three we're going to do, you know? These are like the the tasters, the prequels, the whatever you want to call it, into the main events of 15, 17, 19 WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to them so It's going to be great. Time. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, time for your main event of the evening. A video package kicks us off with Shamrock making people tap out to the ankle lock. HBK promo, um, the twisty leg stuff, you know what I mean? 
I, lo- I loved it. So HBK sat in his little wheelchair, saying that he's been working on his ankle strength. And then <laughs> Triple H is just twisting this ankle like 720 around. And HBK is going, I think I've got a little bit more in me. You've almost reached my pain threshold. Got a leg up on the competition. Yay. <laughs> Proper banter. Uh, the Neidhart storyline post screw job. Yeah. It's, it's nice they kept him around. It's all a work. Why would he be there if his actual brother-in-law got fucked over? Big uh, money. Mm, sure. So, very cool last image of Triple H and Shawn Michaels in submission holds by uh, Sergeant Slaughter and China. And, uh, bro- who's arresting? Ken Shamrock. Kenny Shamrock. While China is being held back in the corner leading into this moment. Really cool footage. That's just the best setup. But then from something so great... <laughs> Yeah. So Shamrock does a wooden promo backstage with Jim Cornette. Talks about hurting him in his zone and squealing like a baby. Shawn like- Michaels, you're an excellent champion. <laughs> you are an excellent athlete, but I is going to beat you tonight. Oh, come to my zone and I will hurt you in it. It's very deliverancey. I am a fighter. I fight for championships. <laughs> I is the lion's den. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the cage lowering music kicking in here at least what i know is the cage lowering music but no cage tonight just oh fuck me and, uh, ju- just to let you know that this was 1997 and i watched an episode of impact last night with ken shamrock in the ring with Sa- uh, sammy callahan and michael elgin and fuck me would you believe it the shamrock's got worse oh really <laughs> oh jesus okay so maybe um, we'll shake hands and go for the impact champion title world title together oh <laughs> it's like oh, kenny he sounds about as stumbling over his words as much as I do, to be fair. So, uh, I really like this moment backstage pre-match where the camera follows Kenny to Gorilla and out to the arena. And then we cut backstage to DEX after Kenny's done his entrance. Coming from a different direction, which I also really liked. Absolutely. They're kind of doing the same thing. But they cut this promo backstage talking to Jim Ross, who's at ringside doing commentary. I was like, oh, this little, like, live real it's happening now thing really exciting man the the production level of this it was really really different to the time to see backstage because like you said as you were waiting to see Shawn michaels go out to the dx theme you saw vince in the background as well i didn't see him oh i didn't i see studied him who was knocking around out the nice. back and i i saw vince i couldn't identify the others but just having that i thought really nice touch <laughs> cool so um, this little promo, talking to JR, HBK calls him a fat tub of goo. Fat uh, tub of goo. HBK calls him the best and talks about farting. It's really weird. He then goes on to call JR Girth Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> and your fat tub of glue as he's leaving. <laughs> like, what a dick, man. An absolute dickhead. So um, and, and playing up to the, the top face, top face character, isn't it? Oh, of JR. JR is, yeah. Sure, yeah. Actually, yeah. So the camera follows DX through to Gorilla from their interview position and it gets a little bit of spinal tap where Sean's not quite sure he's at the entrance or not. I was like, please say he gets lost. It'll be so good. But no, he doesn't. He gets straight there. So a WF World Heavyweight Championship match. The current European and World Heavyweight Champion, Sean Michaels, with China and Triple H. Um, versus Kenny Shamrock, our new challenger coming in. So, Sean has the winged eagle around his waist and China is carrying the EU strap. 
I think that pretty much sums up how Sean feels about that belt. I don't think I've ever heard it referred as as the EU strap. (laughs) (laughs) European, whatever. I've written it in shorthand on my notes, so... I think Boris should get that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely shouldn't. But um, it's, again, if the Montreal Screwjob's legit, why would Bulldog put over Sean for the EU belt? Was that post-Screwjob? That was, wasn't it? Oh, I, I, I don't know to be a hundred percent with you on this one. I, I know obviously he wasn't a European champ at Survivor Series, so I guess something has occurred. But I don't know if Bulldog was champ at the time. Sure, this is just my conspiracy theory stuff. I don't know. Are you ready? Boom, 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 boom. Oh, instant climax! It's the best ever. Wait, is Sunny here? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. So, Shawn Michaels coming out to the DX music, not the Shawn Michaels music. Proper putting over this new gimmick. Um, so, we're in chest hair, but still covered in baby oil, Shawn Michaels phase. It's, it's kind of greasy, you know? Really. It's where David Starr got his inspiration for looking like a <laughs> slimy shit. <laughs> what, what, do you love the DX music as much as I do? I spent ages as someone who didn't have the internet trying to find a CD version of this theme song going okay. to like Richard Records in Ashford saying this is a song I need to find out who did it and obviously as it's resting there but like who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great and when I finally got it on CD I, I, just, I think I wore it out. It was so good. I longed to have like the, the later days like the DX American football jersey as well. And let's not forget, as we are covering this show, this is our 69th episode of World Wrestling Podcast. It's 69, it's DX, it's Cocks and Willies Ahoy. (laughs) Suck it. When we mentioned that it was episode 69, I completely forgot about that, to be honest, uh, when we talked about it last week. Um, because I was going to make loads of jokes about Sean and dicks and stuff at the beginning. I completely forgot. I'm upset now. (laughs) Fuck. Anyway, so... Yeah, it's just the best music ever. I love it. I remember having the um one of the WWE volume, whatever they called them, soundtrack things. <laughs> soundtrack? The entrance themes. There you go. And uh, making my dad play that one song over and over and over on repeat. <laughs> and not listen to any of the others. Like in the car uh, and stuff. It was great. And I think probably my second favorite ever WWE theme. What's your favourite? Line in the Sand for Evolution. That's the uh, incorrect answer. I think you'll find the correct answer is... Unicorns and Rainbows by the Adventure <laughs> Lightspeed for Tex Williams. It's the Beverly Brothers, dude. <laughs> Come on, you're better than this. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Not not 11 o'clock at night, I'm not. <laughs> so, Kenny's trying to MMA Sean. Uh, Sean pokes Ken in the eye and goes to work. Uh, this does not go over at all because Ken barely sells it, but it is what it is. Uh, slow build with some... Shamrock f- not selling? Mm, yeah, <laughs> fuck no. With Shawn Michaels. You can tell why um, Ken didn't get the main event spot after this match. Shawn's blatantly burying him backstage afterwards, right? Yeah, this was definitely a test for Kenny that he failed. Yeah. So slow build with some fun, fast-paced moments kind of built into it. Uh, Shawn's selling is astonishingly good. He's flopping around the ring, doing everything he can to make this look good and believable. But um, you've got the classic problem of Ken is kind of over as a face as a legitimate bad guy. 
but Sean is way too cool to be the heel. Yeah, and if you're going to have a whole pay-per-view dedicated to your heel faction with the coolest theme music in wrestling at that time, and to be fair, probably to to this day, um, Mm. what do you expect? Yeah, I would say Ask the Black to this day is better, but (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Just being picky. Um, But I totally agree with you. This whole show is dedicated to these guys. This is the the pinnacle of this, this show for sure. And um, uh, the fans are, are not really so much into it, I would say. I think that's fair. But They were very, very much excited for Austin Rock. And I think they suffered because of that. Had they done Austin Rock, then Jarrett Undertaker with some shenanigans, and then this is a main, I think the fans would have been, it would have allowed it to breathe a bit better. Yeah, but I agree with that. I think by the end of this show, because Kenny wasn't a believable challenger to DX, after Montreal, anyone who was in the know and reading the dirt sheets would know that Shawn Michaels essentially is in on it, so Vince owes him. So he's not dropping the belt. They've named a pay-per-view after him. So it's unlikely that Kenny's going to go over at DX's pay-per-view. Sure. Um, the story of the match is generally quite fun. It definitely feels like Shawn is dragging this match along. Um, DX tried to cheat, but Kenny is too good for it or too strong. Um, Sean uh, stops Shamrock's suplex by grabbing Baby Earl. HBK mule kicks Kenny in the dick and HBK takes over. If you um, notice, that's a dick shot in every match, pretty much. Wow. The the Russo existence, yeah? Yep. So Triple H and China take every chance they have to beat up Shamrock behind Earl's back. Uh, Sean talks way too much, <laughs> calling spots again, screaming across the ring. <laughs> Uh, HB, uh, sorry, Triple H and China with their backs to the hard cam for the vast majority of the match is driving me fucking insane at this point. Maybe that's by design. I'd mm. like to give them the credit that it's by design, but as you said, it was very noticeable. Because th- any time they're on the mat doing mat wrestling, you've got Triple H's head directly in the way of it. It's And it's not a small head. Not good. No, it's certainly not. He's got a lot of hair at this point too. So a I'm long, just jealous. <laughs> long, long, long sleeper spot where Sean has blatantly had enough at this point and is calling the next spots very loudly as he's got this sleeper on. Ken's comeback. The famous Ken whips his neck while running into the ropes moment happens here. Oh, Ouch. it's fucking beautiful. Doesn't put a hand up like I've been taught very well by coach wicked on my one session to get your arm up and over the rope he just kind of lazily falls into it misses the top rope completely and his neck snaps through it like oh god that's bad terrible but funny (laughs) i love it i love it when a professional wrestler really hurts themselves (laughs) no it's there's something about the comedic timing of this moment that does make it really funny yeah, but as you said, just watching it and thinking, oh dear. Yeah, massively. So um, Sean's 100% had enough by this point. DX beat up Ken. Elbow drop, tuning up the band. Belly to belly by Shamrock. Triple H in China run in. Blatant interference in front of the ref. Earl throws out the match. And your main event winner by disqualification is Ken Shamrock. Keeping him strong. Uh, yeah. What a shitty finish. I mean, it, it suits DX, and this is the DX pay per view, and we can't have Ken be buried quite yet by Sean because we've lost Brett. We've got to have someone there. 
Yeah, I think it was. You could see it coming throughout. You've got three on one and the amount of DQs and dodgy finishes we've had all night. It's it wasn't a surprise that this this is what happened and you know it's not even a case that they had the ankle lock in for a long period of time and then they ran in because it looked like it was going to tap they didn't even tease hbk was going to tap out they just hit the ring and attacked that would have been better had they had hbk lifting his hand as if he was going to tap and then china and triple h came in but it is what it is and let's be honest this 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 was never going to be any other any other victory they weren't going to have kenny lose clean so it was either going to be a schmozzy finish or a DQ to make him victorious because HBK, even back in 97, didn't need a win to be over. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. There's not much else to say really about it. It's what it is. So as Sean is celebrating on the hardest part of the ring, a man comes over and shoves Sean off the apron through the announce table, unveils himself to see it's Owen Hart. I wrote this as, it's Owen Hart, enough is enough and it's time for change. <laughs> Once again, proving that the Montreal Screwjob was a work. <laughs> anyway, a revenge for his brother. Three months after the company utterly fucked his brother over, Owen is happy to come back and work for the WF with Sean and Triple H. Work, 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 work. It was a work tax. I mean, I don't know who you're saying it was a work. Why else would Bret Hart have a camera crew following him around and the screw job conveniently mm. behind the scenes at WWE? The more oh. I look into it, the more I'm convinced it's a work, you know. I did some research. <laughs> so Fink announced... Uh, this is great, by the way. Owen is stiffing the shit out of Sean. It's fucking awesome. Like uh, he gets uh, Sean gets shoved into the announce table and smashes through it and hits the guardrail. Owen, with no fucking second to spare, jumps off the ring apron and dives at Sean. It's fucking great, man. He beats the shit out of him. And I like the bit where Owen, just tentatively after beating the shit out of Sean Michaels, someone must have said, Owen, we haven't managed to catch your face yet. And he just looks up at the camera blankly and then just goes back to pummeling HBK. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, Really fun way to end the evening. I mean, you know, Fink announces Sean is the winner and still the champ uh, because, you know, Sean has to get his heat back somehow. <laughs> and uh, that was the DX pay-per-view. We're out of here. That was all right. I think that sums it up fine. It was all right. It w- the, the best part of this pay-per-view was the entrance music for DX. Yeah. When did you... What are like your wrestling viewing time periods? When did you start? Did you take a break at any point? So I started in 90. Uh-huh. I went 90 to about 95. And then I started again in early 97 because that's when we got Sky TV again. And it was on uh, Sky Sports on a Sunday evening um, from 10 till midnight. And that was also the time that my dad started finding he had a social life. So he'd go out on a Friday night and then I managed to have full control of the TV because my mum's not going to wrestle me. I'm a fucking wrestler, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a man. (laughs) She was reading her book. Um, But... It was more, yeah, that, that's the time. So I only had a two-year gap, mainly like the, the last parts, the last couple of years of the the, uh, the ne- new gen was the parts that I I missed. But then I, I'm back in fully from the screw, all the way through from SummerSlam, Screwjob, all the way to present day. So I only had a two-year gap. Cool. So you'd have been, what, 15, 16 around this time period, 97? I think you're being very kind to me. <laughs> I was I was I was fourteen. Um oh, okay. I would in four I've been fourteen and a bit for the uh for the X pay per view. Cool. So 
what was 14, 15 year old Tax Williams thinking when he was Cunt. watching this? <laughs> <laughs> what was he? Cunt. No, no. What was he thinking while watching this pay for you the first time around? Uh, I think my thought thought process at this time was, wow, without knowing about the Harris boys, I, I like the bikers because I like motorbikes. <laughs> God, how wrong I was. <laughs> and I used to really like Jerry Lawler and he's a massive racist pedophile. So I don't think I'm really that good a judge of character at 14. <laughs> okay. What do you think of like DX and Rock and Austin and stuff like that? Oh man, DX was the, the thing. Like I said to you about trying to find that the, the, the CD of the, the theme entrance. The theme entrance, the entrance theme. Yeah. Um, and, and Austin was just cool. He was just so anti-establishment. I mean, again, at this time, I was starting to view a bit more of WCW. So that's when the flock was, the flock was probably my main focus at the time. Nice. As, as like the coolest faction. Um, so I thought Raven emo was emo tax. I love it. <laughs> oh man, fucking emo tax was a little grebo tax. <laughs> I say grebo tax. This is before emo existed. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but um, that that's where I was. So obviously, and and obviously Undertaker being the because obviously dark grebo. Um, sure. I mean, I took a it, fucking Undertaker signed to Capital Carnage. Don't you worry about it. I'm there with you. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have been there with me because I wouldn't have sat with you with a sign. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid. Leave me alone. Uh, but but yeah, I it was an exciting time for me because it was it was becoming more risque. It was becoming a little bit more violent. It was becoming a little bit more theatrical and soap based as well. You've now got these hot women coming as in, into to view. You then had the light heavyweights, which was a case of wow, this is innovative stuff I've never seen before. You wouldn't see Sergeant Slaughter doing this uh, noodle ramen <laughs> sent on. Careful now, but yes. <laughs> Yeah, sure, man. Like, um, so my thing is that I came in a few months after this show. So these are like the storyline setting up that I started with. So I remember vividly the Royal Rumble 98 is when I first like really started paying attention. It was like just after the Royal Rumble because we uh, got NTL cable so we could get Sky Sports 1. So um, WrestleMania 14 is really like the first big show that I watched, I seem to remember. Um, in my kind of second time period of pro wrestling. And uh, yeah, I just remember looking back at this DX pay view and thinking it was the coolest fucking thing in existence. I was a huge mark for Triple H uh, specifically. Um, I like a dick joke. What can I say? Um, yeah, I, I remember thinking that Sean, this is just me being truthful at the time, where Sean was a bit old for the position he was in. Looking back at it now, I, I disagree with that. Sean is the best wrestler in the fucking world. But I remember seeing like the New Age Outlaws and thinking, oh my God, these guys are the coolest fucking thing in the world. And Triple H is the coolest thing in the world. Not, oh, I like Sergeant Slaughter and I want Ken Shamrock to be great and the Legion of Doom. <laughs> you know? it was. I was just totally into the heel characters and the, how cool they were. I mean, at least from here, it meant that Ken Shamrock could go and be uh, David Starr's wet dream and form the union. <laughs> sure that's down the line a bit but for me it's uh rock and austin uh primed here they're so fucking good anything they would do i'd be 100 in for their head and shoulders above every single one of their colleagues at this time there rock, is just rock hasn't even really got his promo down yet no his his in-ring work his storytelling his athleticism is is ideal and that's the reason why 
as we said, everything these two did, as we go through the next three weeks of podcasts, and we're going to cover the, the essentially, as you said, the two-year builds to each of these Mania matches, how they've they both come to their, their rise of stardom, so to speak. Um, there'll be everything from the moment they threw the terrible shitty Austin doll off the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I remember, yeah. I mean, it was it was incredible. So, But I, I'm looking forward to those three manias and seeing some other cracking bits. But as I said, we, we cover this more as a prequel for Austin Rock. It was so nice to have like the DX nostalgia. But as a spot show, just to watch this for enjoyment factor, I can only give this a two cornflake from me. Sure. Um, I think as um, as a as a unique show by itself, it's, it's not great. There's not a lot of solid finishes or anything. Lots of bullshit. But as um like a nostalgia thing, like this is getting close to a four for me. I enjoyed it so much, so it's gonna kind of equate out to being about a three. I think is comfortable on this one. <laughs> but uh, worth yeah. a watch, you know. If you want to look into Rock Austin early stuff, check out that match. It's really fucking good. Um, and it's only five and a half minutes of your time. <laughs> yeah, the problem is there's lots of bullshitty like race war dumb shit. The uh, light heavyweight match was really really fun. Loved that. But it's like when you've got Ken Shamrock in the main event, it's it's blatantly they're testing something out while boosting Sean's ego by having a Degeneration X pay per view and just trying to get that over. Obviously competing with the NWO stuff that's happening and how they have NWO pay per views and shit. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there, though, isn't it? That's what this main event was. It's like, we need to try this Ultimate Fighter guy, see if we can get like, the cross-promotional fan base across and get a new star created. How are we going to appease Sean? I will give him a whole pay-per-view named after him. Yep, 100%, man. And the thing with Shamrock is that when he's doing the crazy, psycho-intense fighter in his zone thing, he's absolutely brilliant. It's everything else I could just take or leave, you know? Yeah, he's he never did anything for me. Ryan Shamrock did more for me than Ken Shamrock, and Ooh. she was on TV for like a couple of weeks. When it was and that like... was like the Val Venus storyline with her, but that was it. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, but when it was uh, Bossman and Kenny in the um, the corporation, they were really good. Then it's when they turned Ken face it kind of got bad again, and they dropped him obviously. But he had some good good times, man, in the mid card. Uh, I mean the Lions Den match. <laughs> what was uh, what was that? Was it Blackman? Steve Blackman? Yeah, I thought it was Blackman. Didn't they do one with Double J as well at some point? I can't remember, but all D-Lo, I think really? of, you know, let's just remember that he was the, the gauntlet for the gold winner and we'll just <laughs> leave it there for Ken Shamrock. I, I list, re-listened to our first um, TNA pay-per-view, the first, that sounds like I'm saying our first pay-per-view about TNA. The, the show we did that was the first TNA show. <laughs> there you go. Um, and yeah it's fucking hilarious how everyone comes out and is like yeah this main event's absolutely shit isn't it <laughs> so good at least WF weren't doing that crap you know everything had some sort of logical sense to it on this show well most I think that ties uh, puts our bow around that nicely for this yep fucking A man so uh, check out our stuff worldofwrestlingpodcast.com it's the best place to go everything um don't buy our merch right now. Go buy your favorite indie wrestlers merch. I saw an interview this week with a couple of indie wrestlers talking about how he was injured um, before the lockdown stuff and then has been stuck at home during the lockdown without any dates. And I'm like, fuck, man. So you've been out for like a year? That sucks. Yeah, it's, so, uh, it's crazy. Go buy their merch and stuff. That was um, Alex Zane. You know, the guy we saw for Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real shame because he was going to have such a good year this year. 
Yeah, and he will next year. He's not going anywhere soon, but um, like in in a bad way. He will be going somewhere very soon. He's fucking awesome. Um, also, but, huge thank you to Will Power and also your good partner for helping edit together our new logos, icons, avatars, etc. Absolutely, it's um, awesome. I love them. I genuinely love them. That they are incredible. I I'm very very happy to have been part of this podcast just to have that fantastic piece of artwork of us. Yeah. Very happy. And also for Murder Clown acknowledging the artwork and saying thank you for the honour. So Absolutely, that was lovely. Man. The honour is all ours. I'm sure we will agree. <laughs> um, uh, where can people find you on social medias? Hang on, let's just uh, pimp out Willpower. Oh. So uh, we'll, if you go to our Twitter, or go Viva Willpower on Twitter, I think he is. Yes. Um, yeah, go commission him to do some artwork for you. He does some awesome cartoon stuff. He does our logo, which you can now see on our thumbnail for our podcast. Yeah, he's an absolute dude, so go do that. So I'm uh, Fanboy Rich on Twitter. You can check out my work I'm on at- Rust Talk, obviously. Oh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> you you never know shield stuff. It's great. Yeah. Check out Rich's work on WrestleTalk. He's had over a million views of all his videos. So, it's, you know. It's, without wishing to be a massive cunt about it, it's basically over two now. <laughs> like, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, the two million view man mm. at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But the best way to interact with us is at World of Rest Pod on Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to pimp out something here because now I'm doing this, apparently. It's a thing I do. I've been hanging around the rest of the boys way too much, Tax. They've changed me. <laughs> um, Parts Fun Known is a YouTube channel that the rest of the talk boys and I, I, I edit for. Um, it's it's really fun. It's all like silly quizzes like we may do. <laughs> Hang on, what? No, all no, of a no, sudden no, people no, doing no. quizzes no 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 no, nothing there nothing there i'm not not bitter at all um but they also do things like parts fun known which is a role-playing game series i edit which i'm super super proud of um so yeah go check out parts fun known all one word on youtube go give us a subscribe we're right on the verge of 100,000, which means we get a cool youtube plaque and uh yeah i want to be around to achieve that so please 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 go subscribe to parts fun known i'd really really appreciate it i'm done it's a good watch it's a good watch. I enjoy it. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Right. Um, should we say goodbye? See you next week for WrestleMania 15. Because we um, don't have to worry about copyright bullshit anymore, I'm going to play the whole intro for the DX pay-per-view and just get our reactions and then we'll say goodbye, okay? Okay. I know it's late, but this is going to be worth it. Okay, let's do it. Can you hear it? Are you ready? Yeah, I can hear. Cool. The showstopper. Sexy. Ooh, sexy. Sexy. <laughs> Generate us. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye bye. Hey, think you can tell us what to do? You 
think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! You can tell me what to do You know who you're talking to But you better get used to